Well, this, this is a very important morning in the life of our church, and this is something that's been burning inside of me for the last few months, and I'm really excited to be able to um, share that with us here this morning. Some of you may be familiar with the, the Greek god Janus. Uh, the Greek god has two faces. It, is, it was the Greek god of, of beginnings and transitions, gates, thresholds, doorways, uh, beginnings, as well as endings. And uh, as you can see here... Um, We'll have a slide up of Janus in just a second. There you go. You see the, the Greek God has two faces, one looking forward, one looking back, where we get our word January from. And instead of looking at a Greek God, of course, we want to, as we gather here this morning, we declare Jesus is Lord. Uh, we want to look to God himself, but we want to spend time, as we do many Januaries, looking back and where God has been, and looking forward to where we sense God is leading us uh, as a church. And that's why the first gathering of every uh, year in January, we take some time to look back, and we also take some time to look forward as to where we sense that's happening. So just briefly, I want to look back and recognize some things. Some of you may know that and sense that, but just some things that we've seen as leaders we want to share with you. Uh, the first thing is, is uh, there were many good things that happened in 2016, of course, but um, in all honesty, Honesty, for many of us, we might admit that this was 2016 was a tough year. Uh, on a national level, it was very heavy. It was very divisive, of course. Um, Webster's uh, Dictionary—they always come out with a word of the year, the, the word that's it's searched the most on Merriam-Webster's site. This year, the word was surreal, and I think that's probably a good description of 2016, right? It was a very surreal uh, year. Um, but many at Renew, as we heard uh, Katina and Alice share. Uh, many of us, there were a lot of relational situations that some of you felt like um, you had holes punched in your heart. Uh, it was tough. It was a tough time. Transitions of people and people passing away and people that decided to move on and chose to leave very poorly and to not say goodbye in a way that we thought would be helpful in a community and as a family. And personally, Doug and I ended the year on a limp, not with each other, gratefully, we're doing fine, the two of us, but both of us feeling the effects, the hurt, the pain, the transition um, of several specific uh, situations. And so in some ways, we, I'm thinking maybe I need to go on <laughs> Sunday nights to be with, with Alice and Katina. But one of the things we also realize, too, as we look at this year, is that we're a high-permission church. And we're really grateful for being a high-permission church where we give people permission to say, hey, lead in the direction where you sense God's calling you. How do we be a cheerleader for you? Go in that. We don't want it just to be all about us as the leaders or the pastors. We want to equip people and say, go for it, and to be cheerleaders. And many of you have stepped up to do that, which is really exciting. But I think one of the things we realize is while we're a high-permission church, I'm not sure we've been a high-challenge church. I think we've been a medium-challenge church. But I think as we grow older as a church and as we mature more as a church, I think it's important for us to grow up more, not in a legalistic way, but we're going to be challenging people even more than we have this year so that we can be a church that's both high permission and high challenge. And we want to see that temperature raised. So here's what's burning on my heart. Okay, I just that's, that's looking back a little bit, but turning, looking forward, here's what's burning in my heart. And it's one word. And it's one word that's captured me that I think is really important for us as we move forward into this year, and it's the word hunger. It's the word hunger. Our elders together, there's nothing more than we want as we lean into this year than to have a culture of hunger. 
We say that we're a church for the hurting and the hungry. In the first few minutes of our church, we've learned about how people are hurting, but also there are people that want to help those who are hurting. And I love that about our community. And there's evidence that these hungry people are finding comfort in community, and, and I absolutely love that. But we also long to see people hunger even more, to long for hunger, and because we want to be defined as that as a church. So here's what we long to see uh, in, in this. You know, I'm a visual learner, and I think in terms of diagrams. And so I want to just show you one of these right here. Next slide. Um, I, I don't want to oversimplify it, but I just, for the sake of clarity, want to think through this. As we look at this, all I want is for every one of us at Renew this year to begin to tilt to the right. I just want the car to be able to pull right. Some of you are hurting right now. You've gone through, we've heard some people who are hurting right now. And I just want to see you pull to the right, that you grow into healing, that you, you heal. And those of you who are in the process of healing, whether you've been there a while or you're just now tripping into that season of healing, that you would pull to the right and want to grow in hunger. And those of you who are even hungry, that you'd circle back around to help people who are hurting so that they can move to healing and they can move to hunger as well. Now, certainly we're all in different parts of the spectrum, of course. And we can mix it up and be in various places, like where Katina's at. Katina is both hungry to help people, but she's also hurting. But she's, she's tipping to the right, as is Alice. And I just long for this year for us to be a church where the steering wheel is constantly pulling us to the right. Now, I want to be clear when I say hunger. What I don't mean is that you have to be emotional and energetic and over-the-top and passionate. Some people in this church are wired that way, and it's wonderful. And you want to know who those people are? Just watch during worship, right? <laughs> and that's great. That's wonderful. Not all of you are like that. Not all of you are expressive. And I'm certainly not asking you to be somebody you're not. That's not what I'm saying. In fact, we've hosted something uh, through our underground seminary, a topic on this that Doug's led to already called Sacred Pathways, to know how God's uniquely wired you. And we have another one of those coming up on Saturday, January 21st, right here in the Boys and Girls Club. I promise you it'll be warmer on the 21st. But during that time, it's helping you know your wiring, how God's put you together, so that you can run in the direction of that sacred pathway towards God's heart. Here's another way I want to define hunger rather than just Braveheart. Is this, that passion plus commitment equals devotion. And maybe the better word is devotion. Not devotions, devotion, devoted. What are you devoted to? It's where your heart, what you care about most, is actively engaged with the decision of your will that I'm going to stick with this. Your head and your heart are engaged enough that we're devoted and you see that Jesus is always looking for people testing where they're at in their level of devotion and where that devotion uh, is actually found. So I want to encourage you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8, we're going to look at just a few small, simple verses as it relates to devotion, as it relates to hunger, and Jesus' questions as they relate to that. Matthew chapter 8, starting in verse 18. Matthew 8, verse 18, verses 18 to 22. When Jesus saw the crowd around him, he gave orders to cross over to the other side of the lake. When a teacher of the law came to him and said, 
Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus replied, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Another disciple said to him, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. And Jesus told him, Follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. I'll just stop right there. I mean, this is just a bizarre few verses, if we're willing to be honest. What's going on here? Somebody says, I want to I follow you. I want to run after you. And he gives some sort of cryptic, weird thing about animals. And what? And then someone else says, you know, approaches him and says, you know, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Man's experienced a loss, a deep loss in his family. And Jesus says, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. What? You experience a loss of a loved one? And Jesus says to you, your father's important, but let somebody else do that. I mean, this is like a BuzzFeed article, you know? I mean, this is like top ten things Jesus said that'll never go viral. You'll never believe number seven, right? Like, really? Do you say that to somebody? Is that grief training that needs to happen here? What? what? This, is, this is incredibly jolting. And maybe even offensive. What's interesting is that in the ancient Jewish world, there were two funerals that happened for someone. The first one happened immediately, just like we have here a few days after someone passes away, and they're placed into a tomb, and it's sealed with a rock, right, because it's going to stink. And what happens is after that funeral, one year goes by, and after 12 months, the responsibility of the older son is to go back in and get the body. Now, at that point, the flesh is all decomposed off the bones. It would be just the skeleton at that point. And the role of the older son was to actually go back in and to collect the bones, to put them in a smaller box, like a big stone shoebox kind of thing called an ossuary, and they would place all the bones in there and then take that box, and normally they would have some sort of wall, rock wall or scarp, and they would place it inside this cutout and then seal the wall permanently. So it was like a year of grieving. So someone would die, and then you'd have another funeral after a year when you collected their bones and moved them into a more permanent place. So this person approaches Jesus, and it's possible that this, this man is saying, hey, listen, listen, my dad died, and I'm in my year of grieving. I'm in this process of trying to put my father to rest. And when I'm done, in several months, let's reconnect and I would love to entertain the idea of following you. And Jesus says, your father is important, but let someone else do it. You come follow me. Jesus is always about full commitment and devotion. Passion plus commitment equals devotion. And he says that neither difficulties or grief or transitions or family obligations should keep us from following him. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's hungry. Jesus wants to know, is this man hungry or not? Is he devoted? 
And when I think of hungry people, I think of the Moravians. I don't know how much you know about the Moravians up in Bethlehem. Um, this, this Christmas, I had a chance to go up with both sets of my family, uh, Megan's family and my family, to be able to, to see Christmas in Bethlehem. It's beautiful if you've ever been up there. It's wonderful. And as soon as you cross the bridge and you see Hotel Bethlehem over on your left-hand side, if you look on the right, there's all those colonial buildings there, central uh, Moravian churches there, and kind of the Moravian complex. And we kind of know it's there, but there's not a whole lot of talk about who are the Moravians. But if you've done some study on the Moravians, they're unbelievable people. And this amazing history that goes back for several hundred years, and their work in Europe was so important, it actually predated what was happening in the Protestant Reformation. They actually had great influence on John Wesley, who started the Methodists. It's fascinating stuff. Well, there was a group of people that were so hungry in Europe of wanting to be like the early church, of sharing their possessions and praying and serving and giving of themselves fully to sacrifice to, in order to understand God. They were so hungry, they came to America, and it was one of the first times that someone outside of America evangelized America. They were so passionate about missions when they came over. And one of their leaders, their, their main leader, when he came over to the United States, his name was Count Nicholas von Zinzendorf. And besides being in the name Hall of Fame, this guy had some incredible passion. This is some of the things that von Zinzendorf would say. He would say things like, we need to fend off lukewarmness. That was their prayer. And for you this morning, the prayer is just, Lord, give me warmness, right? <laughs> but fend off lukewarmness was the prayer. Pray against indifference is what they would pray regularly. They just knew that they had to have this white-hot passion and devotion to God with both head and heart. And von Zinzendorf helped with that. Listen to what he also said. He said, I have no sympathy with those comfortable people who sit warming themselves before the fire of the future life. I have no sympathy with those comfortable people who sit warming themselves before the fire of the future life. And then he said this. He said, preach the gospel, die, be forgotten. You're like, dude, sign me up for that, right? <laughs> but this was his passion. And this group of people called the Moravians, and by the way, the vision of the Moravians today is very different than what it was when von Zinzendorf was here. But the passion was so burning in what they were doing. And like I said, we have passionate, hungry people in our church uh, today, and I love it. And I could just go through and name a whole bunch of people, but just, I mean, I th when I think of who's hungry, I think of Dave and Chrissy Balecki, who just serve and have grown from the time they got here to where they are now and wanting to see men and women grow in their relationship with Jesus as they're growing in their own relationship. I think of Caleb and Mary Mangum, who just a few years ago, where they were and where they are now, are just growing like weeds and, and helping others to do the same. I think of those that gather on Tuesday night for prayer night at the Culps, a group of people that are regularly committed to just wanting to know more and seek God in, in, in who he is and to, to run in that direction, which is really exciting. And if you know Josiah High, I just love listening to Josiah High pray. There are times I've thought, if our church had people that prayed like Josiah High, we would be so full of hunger. You know who Josiah High is? Just find the highs and ha just say, Josiah, will you just pray with me? And let him pray. That kid's got some hunger. 
So we've got hungry people. But what do we do with this hunger? Looking forward, if we think about hunger, I wish we could just tattoo it all on, the, on our foreheads. And just, just that that would be who we are and what we're pursuing moving forward. But let's look forward. What are some of those specific ways that we can see uh, hunger fueled moving forward? Well, one of those is already underway. We've talked about underground seminary. And uh, the, ways, the whole point is this. If you're new and you're like, what the heck is underground seminary? And once a month, we, we want to equip those people who are hungry that want to grow. Everything from how do we help people who are grieving to sacred pathways, as I mentioned. In a few, we in a few weeks, I'm going to be leading a couple underground seminary sessions on what do we do when we want to start new pioneering ministries? Where do we start if we want to be a part of something? How do we do that? And we, we've talked with Dennis Bryce for people that say, I, I, I want to learn how to read my Bible. I don't even know where to start of teaching people the basics of how do we read and engage with our Bibles more and more. So you're going to be hearing more about some ways we're going to lean into underground seminary even more. Uh, the next one is to, is to really hone in some more on specifically with our house churches about a liturgy, quote-unquote liturgy, some scaffolding that we're going to put in place that while there's diversity and, and personality in our house churches, to know that every house church is going to be running on the same rails together, not robotically, but as a way of giving us identity across our house churches that integrate children with adults even more. Because many of you have said our kids are great, but we're kind of getting overwhelmed by all the kids that are around. And this is a way that actually brings the kids together more often and regularly and more focused with the adults in the time of learning. That actually makes it less work for you and less chaos than maybe what you felt uh, over the last several months. But here's some exciting new things that we're leaning into and we're exploring. And the first one is called the upper room, right? We've got underground seminary, we've got upper room, right? Unintentional on how we're doing that. But here's what we're doing. Some of you just have said to me, I want to grow in reading the Word. I just want to be involved in Scripture, and I just want to be with others who are doing that too. And so we're just going to meet in the classroom upstairs from 8.30 to 9.30 every time there's a gathering, and we're just going to open up the Scriptures. It's not going to relate to what we're teaching in here or in your house church. We're going to pick a book and we're going to dive in and we're going to explore what is it that Jesus is saying. We're going to look at a gospel to start. And what is it? How do we grow? What does it look like for us to take Jesus seriously by just sinking our teeth into some good meat? And so we're going to do that together. And uh, there's not going to be singing. Nothing wrong with singing. We're going to pray and we're going to read and we're going to discuss and it's going to be teaching. So if that interests you, I want to encourage you. It's going to take a sacrifice on your part, maybe to get up a little bit earlier, but really excited. I'm so excited. I love teaching. And so this is just something that's fueling my own hunger. And I know being around others that want to grow in this area too. I'm really excited about that. So you'll be hearing more about that moving forward. The second one uh, is happening uh, at, uh, it's unfolding. It's really exciting. It's called the North, at the North Penn Commons. And I want to just show you a quick video, just one minute so you get uh, an experience to see what this is like here in Lansdale at the end of Main Street. Uh, this is what's happening. Here there are four organizations, four social service entities that have come together under one umbrella. It's a grant mission. You've got the YMCA, which has always been here, but they built onto that. It included Manor on Main Street, Advanced Living, and the Peak Center. All of them have a shared goal of wanting to serve the community and provide wellness, but there's one thing missing, and that's a desire to see spiritual wellness happen. 
Some of you may know that I have been coming to the Y for a while and work out and then I've gotten into swimming. And in this pool back here is where I swim regularly, uh, three times a week. And as I do it, I've been praying about this lobby, this huge, wonderful lobby where people are gathering regularly and saying, God, what do you want to do here with all sorts of people with all sorts of backgrounds that are coming together? And there's been some initial excitement as we've cast vision of wondering how do we inhabit and invade the space to create good kingdom mischief to have people's lives impacted. We've had some initial uh, success and excitement about people, uh, leaders here that want us to be here and be involved. And so we want to encourage you to look around. This is a wonderful place, and we just sense God may be up to something. As I've been swimming my laps and coming up for air, I like look into this lobby and I say, God, there's so many people here. There's so many people here from so many different backgrounds. Like who's going to inhabit this space? Who's going to be a part of this? And I've been so excited as this has been brewing in me. On a day off, I went in there and I, I, uh, I swam and then I was sitting there just journaling and reading my Bible and I just happened to be reading John 5. And I was reading about the story of Jesus at the pool of Bethesda and what was happening that this man wants to get in. What does he want? He wants healing, right? So we're talking about healing. He, he wants it and he's hungry to grow in his healing, but he can't get in the water. Right? And what does Jesus ask him? Do you want to get well? Like, we're in a wellness place here at North Penn Commons. That's the question. And as I close my Bible, I look over and I go, oh my goodness. This whole lobby, you're looking into a pool. <laughs> the pool of Bethesda. So we're going to initiate something, launch something this year called the Bethesda Initiative, the Bethesda Experiment, based on this story in John 5, where Jesus says, do you want to get well? That's what we're going to ask together because there's all sorts of needs that are happening and that are occurring right there in that. Now, some of you know Vivek and Ann Jones. Vivek, just wave your hand in the back. Some of you have, have met Vivek. The last, uh, just a few months ago, uh, Vivek and Ann and their three precious kids were living in India and they've moved here to go to seminary. Uh, Vivek was a church planner, uh, is a church planner, and his church sent him here to go to seminary. And he's been saying, what... What, what do I do in terms of using some of my apostolic juices of liking to start new things? And so Vivek and Anne began to pray too and say, you know what? Yes, we want to be a part of helping lead this Bethesda initiative, which is really exciting. Now, others of you have just heard a little bit and are like, ooh, count me in. Yes, I want to help with that. I want to serve in that area. Now, there's a big multi-purpose room off the back of that lobby that you saw. It wasn't in the video, but there's a big multi-purpose room, and I thought, oh my goodness, we have got to get access to this. What would it look like if we began to serve and build relationships and listen, and then eventually began, in a very stripped-down way, began meeting people and asking, do you want to get well? And to see what Jesus means in John 5 together there. Well, I'm thinking, i got to get permission from all four of these organizations. Lord, give me favor. So I begin to start meeting with the CEOs and the executive directors. And I sit down with the first one. And, uh, and I said, I have an idea. I just want to ask something from you. And I know. And uh, she said, before we get going, I've been actually wondering, would you coach me? I need a mentor. What was your idea? Go ahead, JR. I said, well, here's what we're thinking. I know I need to get permission from all four, but this multi-purpose room here, I would love to see our church just have a space where instead of inviting people to come to church, we bring church to them. What do you think? And I know you're just one of four, and, and 
She came to faith about two years ago. She looked at me and she said, you don't need permission from all four. That's my conference room. And yes, you can have it. So God's doing something here, which is really exciting. So there's all these connections happening. And so I just want to say this. There's so much more I could say, but I want to I stop and say this. If you want to know more about this, it doesn't mean you're signing up that you're going to do it. You just want to know more about it. At intermission, I'm just going to be up here, and I just want to write your name down so that we can just have that to be able to let you know when we're going to be meeting to have informational meetings so you can know more about how we can do that. Right? If you don't, it's fine. I mean, we're still doing Renew. There's no big deal. I mean, you're involved here. That's great. But some of you are saying, I want to serve. I want to be a part of the most important social space in the region, <laughs> which it definitely is. So yesterday I was there swimming. I just got done, and there was a swim meet. Um, and there were hundreds of people in the lobby getting ready for the swim meet. It's unbelievable. People are there. People who Jesus loves are there. And we need to take the church Jesus loves and bring it to the people that Jesus loves. And if you want to know more and be a part of that, just come up at intermission and let me know. And I just want to make sure we get your name down uh, to want to know more. Because Vivek and Ann and myself and other people who are helping lead this, we're looking for a team of people that just want to run after this. So, all right. I've got to stop there and keep moving. All right. So let me say this. This is the... Um, Another thing, I just want to pause and I want to speak to the men for just a moment. Um, women, feel free to eavesdrop if you want. You can fall asleep for a second if you want. That's fine. Just for a moment, though not, not the rest of the time, just for a moment. But I want to speak specifically to the men right now. One of the things that I've noticed and some of our leaders have noticed is that men, while you're here, you're not really here. But you're here, but you're just kind of, eh. You used to be here, but you're not really here. Kind of put it in neutral. Not everybody. But there seems to have been this lull among our men. And this idea of hunger, I just, man, here's the truth. We have some catching up to do with the hungry women in our church. There's a lot of hungry women. I'd love to see some hungry men, too. So, men, what if this year was the year you said, I'm going to no longer be in cruise control? I want to take it to a different gear. And I just want to challenge you, men. Let this be the year that we catch up to our women who are running ahead. Let's meet them. Not in competition. Let's meet them and join them. Because we need some more hungry men. On a personal level, and I've got to breeze through this very quickly here. On a, on a personal level, women and men both, if we want to grow in hunger, how do we do that? Just, let me just share just a, a few thoughts with you. The first is we just have to be willing to give up. <laughs> I think it's easy for us to say, yeah, strive and do this, and 15,000 hours a month we're going to... First thing we have to do is just give up. <laughs> the best thing you can do is give up. Your salvation is not dependent upon what you do for God. He has already done it. We enter into His grace not because of what we've done, as Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 say. It's because of what He's done for us. And so we're the best thing we can do in our response to receiving God's grace is to give up. 
We just need to give up. And the second is we need to ask God for that hunger, for that desire, right? That's why the Moravians were praying, Lord, help us to fend off lukewarmness. We want to pray against indifference. And if you can't do it, invite others around you to say, hey, you know what, I've been apathetic, and I don't want to be here, but I don't know how to get unstuck. Will you pray for me? Will you pray that I would fend off lukewarmness? Pray that on my behalf. And again, some of you know this, just by way of reminder, including myself, we have to realize that there's no escaping that sacrifice is required. A lot of people join the gym, right? Gym's busy this week. In three weeks, it won't be, right? We all know that. That's where the gyms make all their money. Getting you to sign up and then you never come after three weeks. We have to realize that there's no escaping that sacrifice is required. I don't know if you've ever seen lobsters molting. I don't know if you know about this process. But in, if, in order to grow, lobsters actually have to leave. They have to shed their old hard protective shells to grow into a, a larger, bigger uh, one that fits them now as they're growing. The process of shedding that shell is called molting. If you actually go on YouTube, it's utterly fascinating to watch molting happen. There's several lobster molting videos that you can watch. And they do this about 25 times of squeezing out of their shell, uh, 25 times in the first five years of their life, and then as adults they do it at least once a year in their growth. It's fascinating stuff. It's exhausting. It's messy. They spend time, they have to flex all their muscles and they're cracking their shell open. It's this long process. It's fascinating. By the time you're done watching it, you're almost exhausted yourself. <laughs> but just go on and watch YouTube and, and uh, M-O-L-T-I-N-G, molting. Go watch it. It's fascinating. But when they shed their shells for a short time, they're left exposed and naked to the elements and to predators. But they say, I don't want to be exposed to that, and they stay in their shell. They'll always remain a small lobster. But the only way they grow is a willingness to be exhausted and to flex and to break their shell open, to slide out and to be exposed and naked to the elements and to the predators until that new shell grows around them. And just like lobsters, our growth to become more like Christ means we have to be willing to go through a spiritual molting process of our own, to give up, to say, I can no longer stay in the shell, and I will do what I can to flex and break out of my old molds to get rid of this old protective shell of habits and fears and masks that we wear in order for God to break in and grow us to new levels of trust and maturity into who he desires for us. And I came across a quote this week that's just really stuck with me. Craig Groeschel said, you can have control or growth, but you can't have both. You want to control your year in 2017, go ahead and do it, but you're not going to grow. You want to grow, it's going to require that we let go of control. You can have control or growth, but you can't have both. And part of spiritual molting means I've got to be out of control and exposed to break out of the old shell in order to lean into what God has for me. And of course, we need to have a plan. People say, I want to grow. I want to grow. Okay, so how do you do that? You can't change 50,000 things. Just this year, I want to beg you, people, renew. Just take one thing. That you say, God, I want to grow in this area. I want to have a better prayer life. Find somebody who's going to help you pray better. I want to dig in to know the Jesus of the Scriptures. We'll spend some time praying about, Lord, how can I enter in? Maybe it's studying the Gospels. But take one point where you're going to say, I'm going to have a plan. I'm not earning my salvation. I'm trying to join with God by being sensitive and open and flexing my muscles enough to crack my old shell to be exposed in order for God to grow a newer shell that I can grow into.
all right? Part of that, too, is we have to journey with others. Most people fail in their growth, uh, and their, even if they have a plan, because they don't have a community of people around them to help them grow. Who can encourage you? Who can pray for you? Who can hold you accountable? Who can challenge you? Who can celebrate when you're growing and say, you're growing, I see it, I love it. Keep up the good work. And that's why house church involvement is so important. Some of us have seen it as just kind of an add-on, and if something cooler comes up or I'm tired from the night before, maybe I'll miss it. But this is why. Because if we're going to be involved in spiritual molting, we absolutely need the people around us to know us and us know them and care about them and cheerlead and encourage and plan together. Now, for some of you, you've, you've been to Renew less than a year, and, and we love that. And some of you have jumped right in to get involved. Um, but I just want to encourage you, if you've been to Renew less than a year and Renew is your home, I want us to just think through this. I, I don't want to talk to the, to the alreadys right now, people who are already serving and leading and involved. I want to talk to the not yets. <laughs> Those of you who have been here for a while and you say, you know what, I, I just don't know where to serve or where to get to know people, where to be involved. I want to talk to you for just a moment and just say, I I just really want you to lean in. Even if it's small, pick one place, one area where you can be involved. Try, try the prayer night. Try the underground seminary. Try you know, being a part of the upper room. Serve with our kids. Just If you're not doing it yet, lean in for the first time. Lean in. Try something for the first time. All right? And we want, as a church, just to join in with God in this mission. We want to release people. Part of that is knowing you first. We want to know you, and we want to say, how has God wired you? And then what are some ways we can trust him leaning forward? And I don't care if only a small handful of people want to grow. We are making a commitment as the leaders of this church that we're going to bend over backwards for people who are hungry. You want to tilt right? You want to move this direction? We're going to be there for you. We will bend over backwards if you want to tilt right to make sure that that can happen. If you're leaning in rather than punching a clock, clock we'll help you grow. If you want to fend off lukewarmness, we'll walk right with you in that. But you've got to want it. You've got to want it, right? Those of you who have chimneys in your house, you know what these are, right? How many of you have a set of these in your home? Okay, yeah, a few people, right? And so what we're trying to do is just some of you say, I'm just a little coal, I'm a little piece of wood, like there's no big deal. We want to be a whole church together that's being willing to pick up some of the tools of the poker and say, hey, we want you to be in the center where it's white hot. Not a, necessarily a raging fire to impress other people, but a glowing white hot heat giving entity together as a church. And we also want to be the bellow that picks it up and you we just want this church to be the thing that fans even more the flame that you have, even if it's small. Even if it's small. I just love doing that. Isn't that so addicting? Anybody else just love doing the... Right? It's so much better than... Because then you're like, I'm lightheaded. i got to sit down, right? The bellows are great. That's what our church wants to be. Are the bellows blowing. We have real hope. And this real hope... That the way forward for the church, not just ours, for Jesus' church, is that people are hungry to know and experience God. I don't care your level of education. I don't care your background. I don't care where you've been. I don't care how old you are. We just desire for you to be hungry because if you're hungry, we sense you can run after God in ways he'll say, I want to use that person. Recently, I learned about rhinos. <laughs> uh, 
Rhinos can, uh, can run up to a speed of 30 miles per hour. That doesn't sound like a lot, but when they weigh two tons, that's a lot of velocity running at you, all right? 30 miles an hour the other direction isn't very fast. When that 30 miles is coming towards you, that's incredibly fast, right? And what's interesting, too, is that rhinos at 30 miles an hour can only see 30 feet in front of them. <laughs> Think about that. You're driving in your car at 30 miles an hour, and you can only see 30 feet. That's a rhino. No wonder that when a group of rhinos are together, they're not called a herd, they're called a crash. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Even when they're just hanging out together, not doing anything, that's called a crash because it's based on their potential of what they can do. And this morning's like a zoology class, right? I mean, lobsters and rhinos, you're learning all sorts of stuff here this morning. But imagine if... In our faith, by the power of the Spirit, moving in us and through us, we were able to run together, even if we only see 30 feet in front of us of the reality, but we had the faith and the potential to say, I'm going to go full speed, even if I can't fully see past 30 feet. I don't know much, but I do know that together, when we run in the power of the Holy Spirit, and we're running together with each other, I want to be a part of that. I just would love for our church to be known as The Crash. Wouldn't that be a great church name? The Crash. <laughs> I just want us to be a group of rhinos together that are running full speed even if we don't see fully what's in front of us. Let me end with this. How do we respond to this? I know this is a lot. I know this is like burning inside of me, and I'm kind of all over the board a little bit on this. But I just want to say this. I, I think there are two ways we can respond to this. The first one is Repentance. Repentance admits that we've allowed things to get in the way of our hunger for God. It's not that God isn't a good idea. It's that somehow God has not been the most important. Something else is fueling our hunger, and it's not God. It could be evil things. It could be very good things. It could be conveniences, whatever it is, but where we've allowed something to get in the way. And repentance is the necessary first step of giving God more access to our lives. We cannot be more hungry for God if we aren't first willing to enter into repentance where we haven't been hungry. And Doug and I really need to be, our job titles really need to be chief repenters. And we need to repent that we haven't always been quick to repent. We need to repent that we have not been as hungry as we need to be. And when we repent, we open up access to say, God, we want more of you. God, we want you to help us fend off lukewarmness because we've allowed the other things of our lives to get in the way, and we repent of that. The second thing is this, and I'll end with this. Imagine if this year... In 2017 was the year that you had the most adventurous year with God yet. Where somehow 15, 20, 30, 40 years from now, you look back and said, 2017, that was the year. That was the year it turned around. That was the year I woke up. That was the year I leaned in and trusted God. And it would be the only word to describe it would be adventure. I had an adventure with God. It wasn't predictable. It wasn't stale. It wasn't small. It was an adventure with God. And if you want to be hungry 
join us. If you want to say, I want more of what God wants, and I want to join in more with him, we do not have all the answers here at Renew. We do not have all the answers to tell every one of you, this is how you're going to be hungry, and this is how you're going to be hungry. That would be arrogant and misguided. But what we're saying is join the crash. Join the crash. Say, hey, we can only see 30 feet in front of us. But we're going to run as fast as we can to be able to join with God in order to keep up with him. Join us. So if this is you, in just a moment, I'm going to challenge you to do something we hardly ever do at Renew. I'm going to actually ask you to respond right away. I'm going to ask you in just a moment, with a challenge, to stand up, if that's you. And don't stand up if you don't mean it, all right? Don't stand up because you're afraid of people around you, that you might look awkward and like, oh, I don't want you to worry about any of that. I only want to encourage you in a moment to stand up if you're hungry, if you actually want to see passion plus commitment equal devotion moving forward. Even for you, if you're not a follower of Jesus and you just say, hey, I, I just want to lean into that. Or to say, hey, I, I'm so lost. I'm so in my addictions right now. I'm so in my grief. I don't even know which end is up. But man, I just want to grow. I just want to lean in. Even if it's just a little bit, you just want to grow in this coming year. You will resolve yourself to put yourself in a position to grow because you want to fend off lukewarmness. And so I'm just going to ask you, if this is the year that you want to be hungry and you want to move forward, knowing that there are sacrifices, I want to encourage you right now, would you stand up? Right where you're at, just stand up if that's where you want to be. Let me pray. God, um, God, I admit I just did not sense that we would have this many people that would want to stand. And so I say thank you, and I say I don't know what's going on in people's hearts and minds right now. And I pray that my friends mean this and that I mean this. As we lean into this year, not for perfection, not for performance, not to show off or try to prove that we're worthy of being loved by God or others. But God, we want to lean into this year, and we want to say, this is your year. And we repent when we have not placed full, uh, you in the opportunity to give you full access where we've let other conveniences and distractions get in the way, where we've just kind of drifted. And so, Lord, I just pray for my friends here. Lord, I also pray for my friends who are seated right now. Thank you for their honesty and their courage to stay seated. I pray they would not feel any judgment. I pray, God, that throughout this year as they're sitting, that they would sense in their spirit a willingness and a desire to stand to. And Lord, if they're hurting or struggling or wherever they're at, I pray that the hungry people in this room would be willing to encourage and pray for and love and cheerlead those who are sitting in the direction of you. God, we're here. We're a bunch of rhinos together in a crash, ready to say, we can only see 30 feet in front of us. There are a bunch of lobsters here, God, that are saying, I'm sick of the shell that I'm in, and I choose to molt, to break open, to crack the shell, even if it means being exposed and open to the elements, because I want to grow and mature even more than I am today.
God, we can't do this on our own. We can't fend off lukewarmness by ourselves. We can't pray away indifference on our own effort. But we need your help. We need your help. And I just pray that this would be the year where we say, we look back, even though 2016 was a hard year, that the end of this year we'd say, that was an adventure with you. We want an adventure. We know there's uncertainty and pain, and it's going to be hard, and it's going to require sacrifices, but we want more of you. Help us to do that. And Lord, we hear those jolting words from Jesus, let the dead go bury their own dead. Hard to see, hard to swallow, hard to hear. But God, that's what we want. We want to let nothing get in the way, even something so important as what this man was requesting from Jesus. We want you. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated.